What's up and welcome to the Active Amputee Podcast. Everything people with a limb difference need to live an active and exciting lifestyle. I'm Bjorn Eser, the founder of and shaker and maker behind the Active Amputee. And today you are listening to episode number 43. In episode number 43, I'm talking with Peter Franzel. And he talks about his experiences during sports events, para sports events, mass events, mega events, and how Ottobock supports athletes with its technical services. And today I'm very happy to have Peter Franzel with me. Peter Franzel is working with Ottobock and has been for some time. And I think your official title, Peter, is Head of Events and Exhibitions, if I'm not mistaken, by Otto Bock. And that also covers the big field of technical support services for mega events. Welcome, Peter. Nice to have you on the show. Hello, Björn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, maybe yes. you can... Oh, sorry. No, no. Yes, that, that's full correct. So so uh, I'm responsible. So I always say I have the best job in the company. You know, Otto Bock is dealing with prosthetics and uh, wheelchairs and orthotics for over 100 years. And I yeah. have... Uh, 9,000 colleagues around the globe, but I definitely <laughs> got the best job. So I'm proud and, and, and really thankful that I'm responsible for all events, uh, global events, trade shows, and then the Paralympic uh, engagement that we have. And that includes for sure also the technical service that we deliver at uh, all Paralympic Games. Yeah, cool. I mean, we have met around well, in the context of the recent Invictus Games 2023 here in Düsseldorf. I must say I'm I'm based near Cologne, so that's just around the corner here. Uh, in which role has Otto Bock and in which role have you been involved with, for example, now the Invictus Games? Let's take them as an example because it's less than a month that we had them here. Yeah, basically, uh, let's maybe start a little bit earlier. So it all began uh, in 1988. Yes, with the Paralympic Games in Seoul. This was the first time where, where Otto Bock uh, technicians were some colleagues of mine, actually it was four, four guys from Australia. They heard about that uh, people are doing sport, are competing in sport by using wheelchairs and prosthesis. And they thought, okay, if they do sport with this equipment, there must be some damage. <laughs> they, they must need some, some assistance and repair. And they drove to, uh, to Seoul with a little tent and, and some tools and some spare parts. And they were heavily busy all the time. And I ever imagine. since then, <laughs> uh, ever since then, we offered uh, the so-called technical service for prosthetics, orthotics, and wheelchairs at the Paralympic Games. That means that we operate a fully, uh, fully scaled uh, prosthetic workshop, and we we offer this service to every athlete. And uh, no matter what delegation he's from, no matter what nation, no matter what type of product, what brand of product. So we're not only Ooh, taking yeah, care of yeah. Autobock products, we take care of all products that come in. And it's very simple. They open the door, they come in with the wheelchair, have a flat tire, we just change the tire and then they go out. And it ends up to to really uh, rebuild new prosthesis or to, to have uh, also very special alignments, adjustments, for example, for, for athletics. Uh, the top stars, they, they are dealing with one millimeter more left or more mm. adjustments, more right. So, so really fine-tuning alignment. So we got the full variety. And this is, uh, yeah, this is very helpful for the athletes and, and make them make them uh, compete in, in a fair way. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. I mean, if you say, okay, it started with four 
I guess, semi-volunteers back in 1888, <laughs> which uh, just basically took their own initiative. And I mean, now I, I can just imagine just from what I see from your press releases and newsletters and others, that now it looks more like a huge logistical, I don't want to say nightmare, but uh, let's say a big challenge. What What is actually involved in the run-up to these big events like World Championships, Olympic Games, Winter Olympic Games? What does it mean logistically for you to then be there also on top of the game, be there, as you said, for each kind of need, each kind of demand, and be approachable and relaxed to actually do the job? <laughs> Yeah, so actually the, the largest event is the Paralympic Summer Games uh, every four years. And there we start two, two and a half years before the event wow. with, uh, <laughs> with, with the organizing process. So it basically starts with the host, uh, the organizing committee in the, in the host city where we explain, okay, we need this in this facility. We need this space. We need these locations. And then on the other hand, we start uh, our internal preparations by searching the team, uh, you know, uh, for, for example, now uh, upcoming games in Paris next year, uh, we have a team of uh, 160 individuals, Wow, <laughs> which is a huge, uh, which is a large number. And we need uh, different skills. We need uh, with CPOs, so certified processists and officers. So we need wheelchair technicians, a lot of wheelchair technicians. It's around 70% of the repairs are wheelchair repairs. We need sewing specialists. Sewing is much needed, uh, not only for the backs of the wheelchairs, for the fabric, but also for some straps and belts and then many orthotic things where we need sewing. We do welding. Mm, yeah. So if the frames of a wheelchair or, or some orthosis bars are broken, We can do welding, so we need many different skills, and then we need also, for sure, a female, male mm. uh, persons. We need to cover a lot of languages. For example, yeah. the the team next year is able to speak over 40 different languages. Wow, that's cool. And this yeah. is uh, for sure. You know, the athletes they come from from uh, all around the world. I think over 180 nations will participate in the Paris 2024 Games. And Autobock needs to be there for, for everyone. Yeah. And for sure, the, the easiest way to explain what you need and what your problem is, is to do it in your mother language. Okay? Yeah. So we uh, so we try to cover a lot of languages. And uh, yeah, so this, you have two or multiple strings in the organization. So one is uh, dealing with the organizing committee, what our needs are. And then you start our preparations. What the team do we need? Then for sure, we have uh, the one string, what, what equipment and materials we mm. need. So. Mm. At the summer games, we have one huge facility uh, in the village where the athletes live. So this is around 650 square meters large. Uh, and then on top, we have 14 smaller workshop units in the venues directly uh, next to the field of play. So we can do uh, some repairs just before they go to their event or in the, in the tennis for even during the event. Yeah. yeah. But the tennis uh, match when wheelchair tennis, when the, the tire is blowing up uh, then you have uh, 15 minutes time to change it uh, otherwise the the effort is out of the game oh yeah, yeah. that's put some so additional I, stress on your team <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, and this is uh, but it's from the organization perspective yet you have many many strings and this is why we we start so early uh, to really have everything on time and then uh, now with with less than one year to go the organizational work the Paperwork is done, so every list is set. Every person is informed, and now it's it's uh, we, we are starting from thinking and then organizing is is, is now. 
process finished and now we start with doing we start to place the orders we start to train the team we start to select uh hotel so so now is the the mode now let's do it you just mentioned kind of the the demands towards the team not just obviously in terms of their qualification their their craftsmanship their their being able to also perform under pressure and probably with customers which they've never seen before where you kind of have to find a solution within minutes but as you said also being gender balanced age balanced being uh, able to speak different languages and we all know some people you know connect well with one type of person and some find others more or less approachable is it hard for you to actually get enough people for the team or is it something where you have so many volunteers saying i want to be part of this experience and you actually have no problem staffing your, your crew we have no we have no problems no <laughs> <laughs> no uh, as mentioned earlier paris team we have uh, 160 persons there and we got uh, over 500 applications wow that's cool yeah so and as you mentioned yes we need to to have select the criteria and and also we need to have experienced people so we we always take minimum one third of the team has already been mm -hmm. to the game so they know mm -hmm. roughly what the, what it's about and can train uh, the newbies because it's a complete different environment you know when when we just pick out one type of, of person a cpo a person who's dealing with uh, with prosthetics in his normal life uh, he will go to work in the morning he know where to hang his jacket he know where he gets his coffee he know where his workbench <laughs> is and he know okay today is coming patient number one Uh, and he has a look and then he said, okay, we do this and this and then we order some parts and you come back next week and then I have the parts here and then I fit you and then you try a little bit and then you come back next couple of days and then we do. So it's a process which is standardized. Everyone is used to it. With the Paralympic Games, uh, we put the team from uh, over 30 nations in a plane. We bring them to Paris and uh, by now they need to, to act as a team. Most mm -hmm. of them don't know each other or only only a little bit. They don't know the workshop, complete new environment, complete new system and uh, new colleagues, new languages. They also need as our operation language is English uh, and different people speak different levels of English. So we also have to talk with hands and feet and then they need to, to perform in a high level. Yeah, yeah, because with the athletes, we don't know what happened. They, the door opens and the, the athlete comes in and said, I have a problem with this, with that. And then we need to find a solution. Yeah, And the athlete needs to rely on this solution. We cannot say, okay, now you go for your 100 meter final and you try a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and if it's not good, you stop after 50 meter and come back. <laughs> So, so this is also what what uh, we do. Uh, so we train the people before, but it's also the, the team spirit that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, you have type of product or a special uh, situation where the technician A has not seen it before, and then technician B comes from from China and said, "Okay, I've seen something maybe, and we did it like this." And then comes another technician from Colombia and said, "Okay, ah." Uh, We had also something similar uh, and we did it this way and this way. And then they, they talk with three, four people what could be the best solution for this uh, for this single issue. And they create a, a good, solid solution for the athletes. Yeah, sounds great. I mean, also sounds, as you said, this this 
environment where you have a high pressure, but you have a team spirit. And I think it can be quite a rewarding experience, yeah. despite the pressure to be able to perform, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> so one of one of those uh, stories that I, I witnessed was in, in Tokyo at the Paralympic Games in the wheelchair race. You know, wheelchair race, they have one, one wheel in front and two in the back. So these uh, high high speed wheelchairs. And there was a Belgium athlete. He was also one of the favorites. So he was really a good day and everything was fine. And he was already in the so-called final call area where just before they go to the field of play, to the track where he can start a competition. And he said, okay, I need to go to the toilet uh, just before the race. And he came back and both tires are flat off his chair. <laughs> And you know, this guy just being super relaxed and prepared for the race of his life, uh, just 15, 20 minutes before start, all the dreams are crashed. And then uh, they called us and then uh, Autobock, please come, Autobock, please come. And then uh, our technician jumped over and these, these tires, uh, they are wheel uh, tires from bicycles and they are really high speed tires. They are glued into the, the rim. Yeah, yeah. So it's also not so easy to to change them, uh, but we managed to, and we also saw that uh, these both tires, uh, those this puncture was not uh, not a natural way. So uh, someone... someone someone did something. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we managed to fix it, and it was just I think three or five minutes before the start. He managed to go to the track, and he finished with gold. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So these are these magic moments where for sure the, the athlete did, did win gold and not Otto Bock for sure. Yeah, yeah. But we, we were a small part of it helping him to, to achieve uh, his uh, his best uh, race of, of, of his life maybe. Yeah. And, and I think the respective technicians probably have a, a lifelong fan now in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peter, when you describe yeah this this high pressure environment, which is also very rewarding and fun, if you look at yourself having been involved in many of these high level big para events, if you look at your let's say state of mind, how would you describe it on the first day, just before the things kick off, and how would you describe yourself on the last day when you think, okay, it's a closing ceremony, yeah. we hopefully managed, and there's probably only a couple of days or two weeks in between. How would you describe yourself on the first and on the last day? Um, yeah, so my first games uh, was 2008 uh, Beijing Paralympic Summer Games. And ever since then, uh, I witnessed all, all the games and also being responsible for the technical service. And for sure, the more routine you have, the little bit more relaxed you get. But last games, the Tokyo and Beijing Winter Games, it's, it's and also just a lot of smaller games. So I am think and I believe I'm a pretty well-organized person and I can have multiple tasks and under control but for sure uh, the days before the event starts I'm not sleeping the whole night so <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have also my little paper and, and uh, pen next to my bed and sometimes in two o'clock in the morning I wake up oh maybe I have not thought on this task and write it down so this is uh, and then it's it's a mixture for sure. There is a lot of things that can go wrong, and a lot of things you cannot influence. So you can do a really good organization, and this is what we do two and two and a half years before to really have a lot of uh, quality checks. Have we done this? Have we done this? We learn from game to game. Mm -hmm. 
And then it comes to, to execution. And then for sure, uh, you are nervous. I am nervous uh, if everything is there. Did I th think on everything? And then you are under pressure during the, the whole time because there are always so many tasks to organize, to think about, uh, to deal with, uh, but also a lot of fun. And then, as you said, a lot of rewarding moments. Yeah. And for sure, the closing ceremony is always something special when uh, everything went well and then we have a very successful event after us and we could help a lot of lot of uh, people. Then uh, the, the pressure goes down and then we, we go home and then uh, we need some rest after that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> So far, we've uh, focused on these high-level global events with big media attention and maybe global audiences. Is Otto Bock and are you with your team? Are you also involved in, let's say, smaller events for, for kids, for schools, for ordinary spare time athletes, people who don't train for the next world championship or the next Paralympics or the Invictus Games? Yes, for sure. So I'm not involved in every event. So Otto Bock yeah. has its uh, subsidiaries in over 60 countries. Uh, we operate over 400 patient care centers around the world, and there are many, many activities uh, in each uh, single patient care center and in each country uh, where we we are the idea givers, but we are not involved in the execution. One format is, for example, the running clinics. Mm, yeah, yeah. Running clinics uh, is an event that was invented Uh, by Heinrich Popov, a former Paralympian athlete, multiple yeah. gold medal winner. It's for persons with leg amputation, so we focus here on leg amputation. And uh, it's, but it's from I would say 10 years to 60 years uh, for every every age. And this is a three days format where Heinrich is is uh, bringing people back to sport. Because often, if you have an amputation, the, uh, the CPOs, the doctors will tell you, okay. Uh, if you're lucky, you will walk safely uh, and that's it. Uh, you will never run, you will never jump. Be happy and lucky if you can walk straight and and that's it. Yeah? And that's not the truth because uh, if you have the right equipment, if you if you have uh, a good training and you know what to do, can uh, you can do sport again. And this is what uh, a really great uh, format is that uh, we see we see people crying after they do yeah, their first yeah. uh, their first uh, running steps uh, after their trauma they had through the amputation and then get fitted with a running blade and then get trained how to do sport again and this is not about uh, searching for the next paralympian athlete mm -hmm. this is just mm -hmm. for for bringing people back to sport make them part of of, of society that they can uh, do a little jogging in the woods or or being outside and and enjoy sport and for sure sport is healthy for everyone yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah yeah so there we do a lot of events uh smaller ones larger ones for kids uh so this is uh, all over the place yes and as you said the kind of sport to help people getting back into a normal life being socially integrated being you know social participation and you said okay sport is healthy yes but in addition, I think also, the, what does it give to someone in terms of confidence, in terms of being more able to maybe accept, you know, the limp loss, maybe accept yep. other limitations. And I think there was a, something which really came out nicely also during the Invictus Games, where they said, yeah, it's a sports event and it's, it's a high level competitive sports event, but it's about community. It's about creating a room where people can 
deal with limitations, where people can support each other, and where people also can try out new things. I thought it was so nice yeah. that many of the athletes participated in wheelchair rugby and the rowing and other things at the same time. I've never been on a blade so far. So the last time I did jogging was in 1986, I think. So it's a okay. bit away, so, so it to... should be on my list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is also what the, the idea of the, the Invictus Games uh, is at the beginning. This is what uh, the Duke of Sussex uh, invented is, is, you know, those, those military guys, they have for sure all a trauma. We don't have to mm. talk about this. They were proud wearing their uniform in the next moment. They mm. were missing some legs you too, whatever. Uh, and then there he saw him, a lot of those people, they were not only um, physically injured, but also mentally, yeah? starting drinking, taking drugs, mm. so everything going down. And then bring them back to sport and give them confidence. Uh, this is really something important and it works. Yeah. This was also also the, the reason for the Paralympic Games. You know, in, in the 50s, uh, Sir Ludwig Goodman, he was a doctor in the in the UK. He started the whole whole movement with uh, paraplegic um, wheelchair users after yeah. World War One. Normally, they were sitting in the wheelchair and lying in a bed, and everyone was waiting for them to die. And he started to do sport with them. And then the Stoke Mandeville Games, uh, the first time where the, 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 the pre-Paralympic yeah. Games, first time it was a competition of wheelchair users doing archery. Yes, yeah. And he thought, okay, bringing people with a disability back to sport and then give them confidence and, and get them more healthy is, is very beneficial. And ever since then, it's, it's a huge development. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's great that also we have now more and more of these events where, as we say, ordinary people can just give it a try without first having to purchase a blade or really being well-informed or having others pointing them towards it. I, I think that's great. Peter, just um, if you look back at your vast experiences of being involved in these and other games and exhibitions and trade fairs, if you look back, what would you say was the moment where you were most proud of being involved in these in this field of work? This is a question uh, I get uh, asked often, and I always have the same answer. It's it's not one moment; it's those multiple multiple moments where athletes came back and say thank you. Yeah. This is this uh, this rewarding things when when we do something uh, to them, we help them with their problem, and they return with a medal, or they return and say, "Oh, I had a good competition," and they just hug you and say thank you. So this is what it worth about. Yeah. And uh, this is, was for, from my first event in 2008. Uh, it happened there and it happens still last time in, in Düsseldorf where those uh, the former soldiers or the soldiers came back with their gold medal being super proud and saying, thank you, Otto Bock, you, you made my day. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is really, really something I, I like most. Something special. Yeah, yeah. I can, can imagine. Yeah. yeah. You already mentioned that the preparation, the getting in the right mindset and getting starting to get things organized uh, is a long process. So if you look ahead, we're now uh, early October 2023. What's coming up in the next 12, 15, 18 months? So uh, the staff selecting process is finished. So we're now working uh, the next couple of months on our 
trainings. For sure, we do a lot of uh, online trainings with them, e-learnings with them. This uh, process starts uh, then in, in March, April next year to give them guidance for all the spare parts and machinery and workbenches. Also here, the planning phase has stopped. We have now selected all screwdrivers and <laughs> hammers and <laughs> feet and liners and tires. And, and yeah, it, it's yeah. a huge, uh, huge variety. We have um, over 15,000 single spare parts with us. Yeah. Because you never know what you need. Okay? Yeah. You have, for example, for more things like screws, uh, we need the metric system and we need the yeah, inch system yeah, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and tools as well because you have uh, yeah. different things. And then we are also repairing every equipment that's not only auto box. So we also need spare parts from our competitors yeah. that we take with us to, to be able to help out there. So there is now the, the selecting process finished. Now we place the orders. So all the, the deliveries uh, we will be gathered together in, in Duderstadt, in Niedersachsen, Germany, Lower Saxony, where headquarters is. And there we collect everything. And in June, next year in June, we will send four huge trucks, those 40-foot containers yeah. with equipment towards Paris. And for sure, on the other side, we do a lot of uh, social media work, of, of press work. Internal activation is also very interesting for us. And, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier, Autobock has 9,000 employees around the globe. Uh, we all also started uh, the for our uh, colleagues, a competition uh, that they can form teams now one year before. And uh, every month there is a challenge where the teams uh, can compete this challenge and they can gather points and they can win some uh, funny things uh, <laughs> and uh, things. And, and this is also to involve everyone yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. nice. Great, Peter. That was really interesting. If people want to learn more about your work, what's the best place for them to look things up? Is it social media? Is it your webpage? Is it both? Yeah, your social media, Instagram, uh, um, TikTok. So we are on, on every channel and for sure on the autobox.com website, you will find a lot of information. You mentioned the running clinics earlier. If people want to get involved in the running clinics, is that something they just have to have their eyes and ears open or is it something they can actively ask for information? They can actively ask for information also through our website. Uh, we are doing up to 10, 12 running clinics okay. per year yeah. uh, around the globe, I have to say. So Heinrich is... Uh, this morning, actually, uh, this morning he took his his plane to the United States. There is a running clinic in in Austin, in Texas. Okay, my former uh, neighbor. On the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> in the weekend, and the weekend after, he's doing uh, one in Tokyo, Japan. So they are uh, around the globe. We are doing running clinics. So if you need information on this, you can also find it on the on our website. Great, and I can. Highly recommend meeting Heinrich. He's a very approachable, yeah. funny, helpful, empathetic, and very experienced running coach. As I said, I've never been part of a running clinic as a participant. I've witnessed a few, and I just know Heinrich for some time. And if you have the chance to meet him, take the opportunity. It's really worth it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Peter, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Uh, we could probably keep on talking for another hour or two but i'll make sure probably after the next paralympic games i reach out to you again and maybe we can hear a bit more about it but for the time being thank you very much it's been a real pleasure 
yeah, thanks for having me. And for sure, if we can do after Paris, we can do another talk so I can give you some more insights what happened in Paris at the Games. Great. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And I would really appreciate it if you leave me a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to learn more about The Active Amputee, make sure to head over to www.theactiveamputee.org where you find hundreds of articles from amputees for amputees. Articles filled with inspiration, information and encouragement to be active and live a rewarding life. I see you all again for the next episode. Until then, all the best. This is Bjorn from The Active Amputee.